<laughs> yeah, hashtag Free Sonic. Still, still rolling with that. VP Hero Podcast Season Seven, Episode Number Thirty. Let's talk about rules tonight, along with some other uh, random whatnots. You know, we always got to throw those in there on the on the podcast as well. But I made a post on Facebook today, and the post says, "If you could change one rule in the sanction that you play." What would that rule be? We got some funny responses. We got some honest responses. We got some responses that I'm not really sure I agree with, which is okay. I mean, really and ultimately and honestly, what it, what it dwells down to when it comes to stuff like that is uh, it's just the old saying, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one and most of them stink. That's that is the honest truth about it. But we're doing our usual, you know, kill a little bit of time here, let everybody kind of file in. How's everybody's evening going? What's everybody got planned for the weekend? You trip state in Missouri this weekend. Haven't seen a bracket yet. Maybe we'll look that up. It's not like I'd know any of the teams anyway. Okay. Adam, Fat Guy VP, post on a back review. What's up with your guy Josh wearing a shirt in a video? The streak is dead. Did you have to have a talk with him, or did he just decide to put one on? Uh, where is U-Trip State being played at in uh, St. Louis? I'm going to assume uh, BMAC. That's where it's always played at. BMAC is a super nice facility. Super nice. Fairly easy to get to. Okay, Adam, I'll have to do that. I I, I pulled up the video and was watching it, but um, I had a six-year-old talking my ear off about the Fortnite Battle Pass, so I didn't really absorb a lot of that. I, watched, I, got, I think I got collectively about a minute of that video watched before she started going on about the Fortnite Battle Pass and how excited she is and, you know, kids. Kids and their games. She has um, no clue what she's doing, and that's okay. She has fun, and that's all that matters. Any gamers in here? I know we've got the regular regular group here. But I know Q plays some video games. I don't think Geo does. Anybody else Anybody else do any gaming? I used to play video games quite a bit. I played like Warzone and Fortnite. I was a big Call of Duty guy back in the day. Like Black Ops and Black Ops 2. Um, I could play that until my eyes were just going to fall out of my face. Q, are you playing Warzone? I know Fall Guys has been a popular one. Um, I know my son's been wanting me to play that with him. It's kind of funny, like him and all his buddies, you know, they're trying to be like alpha male, tough guy, and then they're all walking around as little fat, fluffy dudes on a game, jumping around, trying to trying to survive, basically. Gio says he's playing League on Sunday, Super World Series next week. Nice. Good luck, kiddo. 
Yeah, that's kind of my thing, too. Like, uh, I used to have time to play video games, but I kind of decided to prioritize that time towards other things, which honestly does kind of result in me being on the computer a little bit less. Because uh, just because you play doesn't mean you're good. So I would spend a lot of time while I was uh, not alive editing videos. And then when I would get to a point where somebody would be done playing or we'd have a break for a little bit, I'd do my voiceovers and then throw it all together. But, not so much anymore. Big bummer, by the way. Uh, I don't know if I got any bowlers in the chat. Order me a bowling ball. League starts two Mondays from now. They sent me the wrong damn one. So for those that maybe don't know, uh, Storm is the brand of a bowling company. And pretty much every ball that they make has a fragrance to it. Like, by design. Um, do they, they've got everything from uh, birthday cake to grape to lemon-lime. I mean, they, they got all kinds of stuff. Let's, let's pull it up. What else are we doing? Storm. Let's go bowling balls. Storm. Oh, it's only Storm. So Storm is kind of like... Um, Storm is kind of like equivalent to what Rawlings is for Mike and Worth. So Storm makes Roto-Grip 900 Global and as well as the Storm Ball as well. So you go Storm and then anything you see here has got a fragrance to it. And they, and they list them. So, oh, this one is a mystery scent. The Infinite Physics is a mystery scent. Then the Nova. What is the Nova? The Nova is candy. Can, sorry. Cherry Apple Slush. Which sounds interesting. Then you've got the Dark Code. Cherry Delight. Because, I mean, who doesn't need that? It's just crazy to me. Is my ball even on here? Yeah. So I got the Tropical Surge. Now, the Tropical Surges, each one of these comes in. They come in a lot of different colors, and every color has a scent. So I ordered purple. You know me. I'm a junkie for some purple. So ordered the purple one, and its fragrance is grape, but they sent me the pink and purple and it's supposed to smell like birthday cake, but, you know, <laughs> funny enough, Eric, is there a fart smell? The, the the birthday cake doesn't necessarily smell, I mean, once once I tell someone it smells like birthday cake, they're like, oh yeah, but until then, it's kind of like, ugh. Maybe not quite a fart smell, but uh, com comparably, ugh, until you realize what it's supposed to smell like, then you kind of, your nose can kind of connect it, you know, you ever... You ever like uh, smell something and you're not quite sure what it's supposed to be until you realize like somebody tells you and it kind of connects the dots? Kind of one of those deals. Root beer. Oof. That would smell horrendous. Let's see, does ice. Nope, no scent on that one. I wonder if the Belmo ball has a scent. It does not. Come on, Belmo. 
Frosted Cake. There's another one for you there. What's up, Jason? How you doing, buddy? High Road Pearl is great punch. Cool looking ball. Almost got this one, but uh, I'm not about that life. A little bit too much ball for me. I need something simple. The Night Road smells like a fruit trifle. Then you've got the IQ Tour, which I really wanted to buy as well. And it smells like red apple crisp. I could totally get down with that. Love me some apples. But enough about bowling, because this is not the Bowling Hero Podcast Geo. This is the BP Hero Podcast. And what we're going to talk about tonight is the post I made on Facebook. Like I said, I already mentioned it, just in case you're just getting here. Oh, by the way, real quick. I'm going to give you one minute, starting now, to share this wherever you feel like it. I'm even going to make a post on Facebook, so you can just share it from there if you want. One minute, starting now. The mindless rambling goes on for one more minute, and then it's go time. Named it Rules Class. Not even really sure why, just something different. Get that done. Quit gawking at these bowling balls and talk. But why though? Alright, so anyway. We're going to talk rules here. What we're talking about is a post I made today on Facebook, uh, just in case you're just getting here. The post says, if you could change one rule in the rule book of whatever sanction you play, what would that rule be? Mine would be 240s should be implemented across the board. And here's the deal. To be 100% honest about that, I kind of stopped and did some thinking. Maybe I'd rather have the 52 300 but bats are just insane. Bats are absolutely insane. Uh, I, I feel like the bats maybe would be a little bit more of an, of a, an equalizer than a 52300 because you, you can't take the hard ball out of the equation because that's what keeps people coming, right? And I'm sure the 220s is what keeps people coming as well. Jason says, get rid of the damn courtesy foul at senior ball. That That is kind of wild. But mine would be definitely be the 240s, just on the standpoint of we got to get the 220s out of the game. I know I swing one, and I will until I can't. But the whole point of the 240, yes, it's only implemented in the conference right now. It's, it's all about safety, and we went to this new ball and everything else. Like, you want to make the game safer take away the bats that are going to test 180 and live there. I'm not saying that some of the 240s don't do that. Uh, it is definitely appearing like more and more companies are kind of catching on to what to do to get that to happen. 
And really, I don't I don't have much for that other than it's going to come to an end somehow, or the stamp change was absolutely useless. But um, I feel like maybe that party might be over sooner than later. Who knows? That, and that's just me thinking. Because what's the point of a stamp change if they're still going to get down to, to 180 and live there? But I will say, swinging the couple of 240 stamped bats that I have that are failing compression, the the factor of still needing to hit the barrel is still there. As opposed to uh, a 220 stamp bat that's testing even the same. Uh, you know, I did the video a while back talking about the uh, last year's Freak 23 and then the Mike and Envious. Same exact specs, same exact weights. Exit speed numbers were the same. That like as far as like the top number, but the consistency of the Envious versus the 240 is is kind of wild. The Envious was way more consistent because it's, it's a 220 stamp. Was made way more consistent. You were seeing consistent swings within a mile an hour or two of each other with the Envious, and then the KP240 was all over the place. And that's what it should be. It should be uh, something that could reward a good ball striker. Guys that hit home runs should be hitting home runs. It shouldn't be, uh, you know, your 160-pound guy hitting, uh, you know, 375-foot home runs with his 220-stamp bat that's testing 170 and has for two months. And he plays every weekend. I'm not saying that, like, small guys can't hit home runs. There's certainly athleticism and technique and a million other things involved there that could make a difference. But if that guy can hit a home run with a 240, good. Good for him. But I'm, I'm telling you now, there's a majority of them that won't. It makes you swing at better pitches. It makes you a better hitter. And yes, the performance is dulled down until we get to, like I said, the point of uh, failing compression. But they... they the ones that I've swung that aren't in the category of breathe on it and it's testing 230, which is a thing for a couple different manufacturers right now. The ones that I've swung do, do break in slow, which is okay. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it's still something that was worthy of gaming. We swung the Easton Ba, B-A-H-H. And to be fair, you know, we kind of knew going into that, like, Okay, we know the 240 Eastons are good, not great. Why put out another review saying they're good, not great after uh, the you know, the usual amount of swings we put on it? So we put a whole BP sessions with the swings on it just to see if it would get better. It opened up. It got better. I honestly assumed that uh, the Headbanger Pow that was released earlier in the year I honestly assumed that it, it was going to be just better than the stereotypical Easton because it had more inload in it. Inload is something that really makes these 240s come alive. So I was definitely under the persuasion that the more inload is what made that Easton Pal better. But I, I kind of eat my words here a little bit. The Easton 240s are definitely better this year than they were last year. No doubt about that. We ended up putting, like I said, a whole day's worth of swings on it. And it was kind of funny. Right after like we were like, okay, here it comes. Like It's getting ready to to get really good because it was feeling good. It felt just like that pal. I was like, man, this is a good bat. It didn't like just absolutely blow your mind. But it was like, hey, this thing is good. I could I could game this if I had to. 
so we're thinking like, man, this thing's really going to pick up in these next, you know, 80 to 100 swings we're going to put on it. But it didn't. And again, it wasn't terrible. But the way it progressed and the way it got good, you're thinking like, okay, another 80 to 100. And it's going to be, it's going to be vibing. It's going to be, be feeling good. Literally got no better. The sweet spot didn't get any bigger. Nothing. But it was still a fun bat to hit. I mean, if it wasn't, we wouldn't have kept, kept swinging. So stuff like that is why the, the 240s, like, I had to, like, wait on a good pitch and then just turn on it and, and get something into it to, to hit it out. It shouldn't be me accidentally hitting the ball over the fence. And kind of to that point, um, it, do not mistake this as me talking trash or calling this guy out. But one of the comments we had on our Facebook post was, um, no more inning-ending home runs. Bats are too hot to punish a team for a home run. And I was kind of surprised to see that that got five likes. Because, you know, I commented back on this. Why is this? Okay, so I, I did reply to this, and and I did say, you know, I do respect where you're coming from because the 220s are very good. Because somebody said, you know, compression testing fixes that. Even that with compression testing, but he, he still has issues. Him and some of his guys do, apparently. So, you know, I said, I do respect where you're coming from because 220s are very good, even at or above 220. But we can't blame equipment for things like IEOs. Hone your craft and make sure those things don't happen. I guess that's a double-edged sword because he replies and says... Uh, I agree with honing your craft, but um, we all make mistakes. Why can't it just be an out? Okay, well, making mistakes is part of the game. Making mistakes is what gets hitters out. Instead of you hitting a, a, a giant pop fly, your pop fly had the trajectory to go out of the ballpark. Is, is the only difference there. Yes, it's like the worst place to hit a ball to make an out. Even in inning, inning ending out. But you make mistakes. Like you, you, I feel like he kind of answered his own statement in the fact of you make mistakes. Yeah, you do make mistakes. Like it's, it's obviously a lot big, bigger than grounding out because it's an inning ending out. But point being, you're just as prone to make a mistake and roll over on a ball as you are to hit a ball out if you're having that kind of issue. Hone your craft. There's no other way around that. You don't have to go get a, a less performing bat. You don't have to throw in a less performing ball. You don't have to do anything different. Just figure out a way to keep the ball down. Um, I can probably count on one hand. I Granted, I haven't played very much this year, so um, even that considered, I, I didn't hit any this year. Um, any inning any, any outs or DBOs, but... My last two or three years combined, I can probably count on one hand the amount of DBOs that I've hit. DBOs, um, I don't think I've ever hit an inning, inning out in my life. You just, you've got to find ways to get on base without it. Move back in the box. So if they try and pitch you high to get you hit it out, it's not going to be as high on you. Yeah, you have to protect the short pitch then, but you just got to understand your situations. It may not be the pitch you want to hit, but sometimes you got to put a swing on it because you know that might be the only chance you have to keep a ball in. And sometimes the pitcher just gets you. But you've got to have an answer for things like that. 
Like, I don't... It's same thing to double plays. Yes, I'm a big person. Yes, I am slow. Like, there, there's no getting around that. Like, I am a double play threat every time I step in the box. But I, I seriously, that's something else. I can probably count on one hand that I've hit into in the last two or three years is is no double plays. I can probably count them on one hand the same as I can the IEOs and DBOs. Do I take a lot of swings? Yeah, sure. But if you're having that kind of issue, you can do one of two things, really. I mean, you can move up in classes, right? If you're having that much trouble keeping the ball down, play somewhere that it's not going to penalize you that bad if you're if you're hitting them out that frequent. Or hone your craft. Honestly. That, that's, that's all I can say to that. <laughs> Jason says it's better to strike out than hit into a double play. I've seen people do that. I've seen that a couple of times in, in the time that I've been playing. We were over at Springfield one time. Uh, so I, I know I've told the story on the podcast before, and I'm going to tell it again. I, this is, I'm telling you one story to tell you another. So it was actually in the same game as the time... The winning run is on second base. There's two outs. And this dude is up. And pitcher throws the ball. And he hits it just back through the box. We weren't trying to hit the pitcher. He hits off the rubber. And it kicked so high in the air off the rubber that the runner from second had time to score. Nobody could get underneath the ball because the, the pitcher lost it. He couldn't find it because it actually kicked up. And honestly, it, it kind of curled back. I don't know if it had spin on it or what. But the pitcher couldn't find it, and none of the fielders could get to it. The catcher just kind of stood there in awe because, I mean, like, one, he can't go after the ball because what about the runner? And two, like, holy shit, did that just happen? So the ball went off the rubber so high into the air that the guy from second base scored. And granted, he was fast. It's not like it was a, you know, something that required two or three TV timeouts. I mean, the ball went up, but he was running on contact because there's two outs. And he ended up scoring on that deal. It was absolutely insane. But the second out of that inning, there was runners on. There was a runner on first as well. The, the, the second out of that inning was from a guy that struck out looking, and he just turned around and walked away. You know, like his his teammates were kind of looking at him like, "What the hell?" And everybody else was. It was a good pitch. It wasn't just an absolute meatball, but I mean, it's a pitch that was very easy to hit well. But he did. He just turned around and, and said, like, I'm not, I wouldn't have done anything with that, but hit into a double play. I'd rather just take the out and move on. Like, one, props for him for thinking about the team and not just himself. And two, that person takes a lot of batting practice. You want to know how I know how? Because he knows what was going to happen when he swings the bat. He knows what's going to happen. He has honed his craft. He has honed his craft. That's all there is to it. Hone your craft. Maybe that should be the name of the podcast this week. So just going through some of these other responses here. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Uh, Jody Thompson. (laughs) I got a good kick out of this one. Jody Thompson said a swing and miss is an automatic out. (laughs) I I did get a kick out of that one. So uh, there there was some like good, like wholehearted responses there was some funny stuff, and then there was some stuff that, like I said, I didn't necessarily agree with, but that's okay. It's all right. 
Chris wants to know if I'm going to get that Phil Matt DiMarini. Um, I haven't talked to Headbanger this week. Uh, I thought about trying to get one on the lay. But I'm so covered up in bats right now. I know it kind of stinks. I don't want to miss out on that. But I've, I've got to change of how I'm doing this stuff. I order just a, a menagerie of bats. And then I feel so covered up. Like I feel like if I get in. Like that, if I was to order that Phil Matt today. I feel like I'd have to get done the schmear of stuff that I, that I have on hand. Before I could touch the Phil Matt. Just that, that, that's how my mind works because the, the longer it takes me to get the stuff that I have on hand done, the less it's worth when it's time to sell it. So I've got to kind of keep the ball rolling here a little bit. So to like throw more bats into that is is not conducive. So I've got to figure out a happy medium of getting stuff that I know is going to get me views and then getting the stuff that I do that I want to cover all bases with. Like, the Balance Freak Primo video that I posted yesterday is not going to get me a ton of views. I understand that. But I like to cover all bases. I like to cover the guy that needs a base hit bat. I like to cover a guy that needs a power hitting bat that may be something that a lot of people don't talk about. I like to cover all those bases, but in turn, it kind of gets me painted into a corner sometimes where I can't do things like that. See, and that's again, like, am I going to swing the USA Bradley Chaos? Man, I don't know. Accused wanting to know how long the smell lasts with the bowling ball. You're behind. Uh, the smell lasts as long as the, the, the life of the ball. Uh, as, next time you see Brad Dixon, ask him about it. Um, he's got uh, three or four storm balls, and they're a few years old, and they still still have the same smell to them the day that they were made. It's crazy. Makes your whole bag smell like it, so whatever it is, you better make sure it's good. <laughs> Uh, Mike says, what's for sale? Buddy, I got all kinds of stuff. I got a Suncoast Austin Doss sitting here in my hands. Got a Freak Gold ASA. Got the Mercy still that I need to get rid of. Got the Ba. The Easton Ba. Uh, I still need to swing. I've still got the Voltage. I've still got that Voltage that I reviewed earlier in the year. I still need to sell it, but I'm waiting to do one more video with it before I post it. Let's see, what else do I have? I guess I could just like scroll through my channel. Because I could very easily tell you what's... What's on there. Because like I see, when I when I ordered bats this last time, I really wanted to review the Marini Juggy. And it was out of stock. Well, guess what? I ordered... 12 bats and now guess what's in stock the Demarini Juggy but it's going to be so long before I get to it I can't justify grabbing one let's see red bat sold so I was going to swing this uh, Freak 23 U-Trip for a gamer for a while just to kind of keep track of this this situation that's going on with the handle buzzing and and, and that kind of thing but uh, the more I, I sit around and look at it the more I'm like I, I just don't care like, it's not going to do anything. I know it's not. I have to draw the line somewhere, like content creation and doing stuff that's just not necessary. Other people have mentioned it, and other people have also said, like, hey, it's not a big deal. It's just what it's going to do. It's completely fine. And I completely agree, and I don't expect anything to happen in this one. It got used in almost every game of a supplied bat tournament by almost every player, and it survived. It did great. That's how I know nothing's going to happen to it. 
So, like, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest with you right now. It's a 2022 Mike and Freak KP23 with a barcode. Doesn't have a receipt. Dude, I'll sell it for 100 bucks. It's a 27 ounce. Got maybe 300 swings on it. Still testing in the 270s. It's a good bat. I just don't have a use for it. 100 bucks. DM if you want it. See, I'm trying to think. And I'll have all kinds of other stuff coming too. As far as like stuff that I'm going to sell. Got some goodies. Uh, the Austin doll that I got is a 28 ounce. Honestly, wish it would have went with a 27. Sometimes the short barrel balance stuff can swing kind of weird weighting wise. So like it almost swings like really, really light. This had been my every experience I've ever had with a short barrel balanced bat. So I went up an ounce, and honestly, I wish I wouldn't have. It was kind of a weird thing. It's a short barrel balanced, but you still got to whip it like an inload. And dude, let me tell you, the barrel on this thing is nuts. The barrel is just absolutely absurd. This the Suncoast barrels are so good, but they makes make a pretty decent variety of stuff. So you can just about pick out the specs that you want in a bat. Um, I know a lot of people like these Austin Dawes. No doubt it performed, and once I got it figured out how to swing it, it was really good. Still passes compression too, which is kind of a surprise. I've heard that some people have issues with compression stuff. See, so maybe the 27 was light and the 28. <laughs> maybe it's just one of those deals where you just could, you couldn't draw the line in one spot or another. I don't know. That's frustrating know that the 27 is too light so I'm glad I trusted my hunch on that this 28 was just not the play I'd rather it have been too light and just work on controlling it because the barrel is good the barrel is really good but because you had to work on whipping it so hard I kind of lost command a little bit and if I'm swinging a balanced bat why am I going to sacrifice command for that that's kind of pointless to me just swing a balanced bat for control and then have no control Looking through some of these topics, some of these uh, comments here. Somebody says aluminum, wood, aluminum or wood bats only. Dude, stop it! Stuff like that. Like, honestly, I don't know if you're being serious or not. Like, mad props if you are. But swinging aluminum or wood would probably make me quit. So somebody else also said IEOs for sure that they want those gone and they need to bat test at all tournaments. And here's the, here's the deal with bat testers. Um, I am very grateful to have one. Everybody say thank you to Eric Sun for the bat tester. He has uh, really helped us out. It's been a, a great tool to have for the channel. Um, the day he calls and says he needs it back, I'll give it back to him. But until then, it's it is one of the most useful tools the channel has probably ever had and ever will have. They are pricey. Oh, there you are, Jonathan. Okay. So I don't know if you heard me earlier. I, I kind of responded to somebody else that kind of said the same thing you did. Um, 
<laughs> it said FMIEOs. I, I get it. I really do. I don't know if you heard me talking about it earlier, but um, just, just hone the craft a little bit. As, as, I guess his thing was like the whole 220 thing. Okay, well, if you don't like the IEO, swing a 240 maybe. I don't know. Like I said, you shouldn't have to go down on equipment. You should find a way to use the equipment you have. But anyway, what I was talking about bat testers. So the thing with the bat tester, they're expensive. There, there's no beating around the bush on that. They are expensive. But if I'm a director, that's an investment I'm willing to make because long term, that's going to pay off a lot in the long run. Can you shave a bat and still have it pass compression? Yeah. It's not as likely as that to happen as, as other things. And it's going to regulate the game a little bit. It's, again, going to keep the 160-pound guy from maybe hitting a ball 320. Maybe it's it's 305. And if he misses it, it's 300, not missing in 320. You know, that's 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 my thing with that. Um and it just, it's going to clean up the game. Ultimately, you know, you can make all the excuses you want. Compression testers are going to clean up the game, even if it's just from a standpoint of, of a level playing field for bats. You know, everybody's bat had to pass the same test. So, I feel like if I'm a director, a tester is a good long-term investment. I'm not talking something... You're not going to get your money back out of it or anything like that, but... I do feel like it would be more appealing and it would eliminate a lot less arguments and a lot of other things if you could say, look, we're testing this weekend. Sorry about you. There's nothing you can do about it. Here, here's, here's what it is. Um, I think his name is Eric Torres. He's a director for Texas. He has um, put himself on the map being a guy that has tried to regulate the game doing a lot of bat testing and things like that. That is somebody I need to get hooked up with. I would really enjoy to do a podcast with him. Just from the, I want to hear what he's got to say about why he decided to test, why it's important to him. What has it done for the game? Has it ran people off? Has it brought people back? Has the crowd not gone away? I feel like there's a lot of different things that could do for the game. And, and, man, kudos to him for, for doing that. More people should. No question about it. See, <laughs> Adam says, uh, first baseman gets to kick the batter in the balls if he bat flips on a single. <laughs> yeah, Adam, that, that would definitely be one of them. So Q says in the chat here, uh, I don't like IEOs. Uh, these lower guys struggle with control and they punish them for accidentally hitting a ball in the face. I'm guilty of hitting a ball and hitting a line drive that goes out. I mean, listen, I, I said it once and I'll say it again. I'm not just saying this to be hard on you, Q. Like, learn to keep it down. Know the swing that you can keep the ball in with no matter what. If you don't get that swing, then that, t- that all that tells me, if you don't get that pitch to do it with, all that tells me is you need to broaden the horizon of what you're able to hit and keep it down. Get way off the plate, push something down the line. There, there's a million options to not hit a ball out. There, there just is. I'm sorry. I know I'm not, I'm not dogging you. 
Because, listen, <laughs> if you don't know me and Q personally, you would really think that we hated each other. Uh, as a matter of fact, like, it's it's happened more than once to he and I both. Like, somebody will, will, will look at him and be like, do you guys really not get along? <laughs> like, no, it's just what we do. <laughs> it's just what we do. I mean, it really is. Like, Q and I will, will I mean, dog each other no end. And then... I'm calling him the next day to go golfing. Is my little golfing buddy. But end of the day, hone your craft is all I can say to that. Uh, Q also says, "Will compression testing run people off since they have to buy bats more often?" No, um, do some research. Buy a bat that you know is going to pass, or it's going to hold compression. There are bats that will hold compression and you know maintain compression for a while. Stuff that needs to break in. It's not the end of the world. Give me two seconds. Q, yeah, I know you hit an IEO that's never been over seven feet high. Like, I'm not, I'm not, that tells me how hard you can hit a ball. So, if it's that hard for you, move up, maybe. You know, if you're hitting a ball that hard, move up. Or find a way to get that down there's there's a way where there's a will there's a way one thing that I, I i do work on if i'm like really 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 trying to keep a ball down is letting the ball get in on me and when i say in on me i'm not talking about inside pitches i'm talking about letting the ball get deeper into the hitting zone because for me personally everybody's built different probably but for me personally it's harder for me to get under a ball if i'm letting it get deeper in the zone for me I almost can't get underneath it at times. That's a, that's almost a surefire way to make sure you're going to keep the ball down is let it get deep on you and then strike it. Your striking has to be more precise, absolutely. But that that's one of my, my go-tos for sure is let it get deep on me, and then I'm going to be honest with you, hit it back through the box. Hit it back through the box or hit it down the uh, right field line. I do struggle to keep the ball down if I pull the ball, so I don't put myself in a situation where I've got to pull the ball back in the box off the plate a little bit you can hit the right center gap you can hit it through the box you can hit the line you got to give yourself more than one option you have to hone your craft let's see looking through some more of these James Peterson says wooden bats you can tell I'm a pitcher (laughs) I did think that was funny and it does suck to be a pitcher standing out there just um, getting absolutely lasered at sometimes. Oops. Hang on. Okay, sorry. Okay, Q, if the right center fielder, you got to be careful, then hit it through the box. If you, if you, especially, dude, especially if you're playing against a four-man, if you can hit a ball seven feet high that never gets over seven feet high and gets out of the park, you can hit a ball hard enough to get it through the infield without anybody touching it. You're going to have all kinds of holes to hit at in a four-man. I got something for every excuse you're going to have, pal. 
We'll do this right now. <laughs> so uh, Michael, or sorry, Mitchell Harmon does mention um, players should be limited to one season in the lowest classification, and then be bumped. Sandbagging and running away potential new players is a killer. Get rid of inning inning outs across the board. Not beating that dead horse. It's way too harsh and bumping players or properly rating players and teams takes care of it anyway. So if properly rating players and teams takes care of it anyway, they don't get rid of the IEOs. Really? I mean, now I do agree that you should be limited to a certain amount of seasons in the lowest classification and then be bumped. I think two seasons is a fair is a fair number to play E. Like, two and done. Because E is like, E doesn't mean entry level, but E is like entry level softball. Go watch an E tournament somewhere, and I'm not talking E Worlds, I'm not talking E State, I'm talking your run-of-the-mill E tournament, and look at an E team and tell me that that's not entry-level softball. It 100% is entry-level softball. And there's teams that spend their entire careers in E. I really don't have anything for that. Um, skill level and skill gap is, is definitely a thing when it comes to some situations. I'm trying to tread lightly with what I say. But I, I do agree that you've got to do something to get people out of E. You just have to. You get them in the D, and then D grows. That's more teams. So here, here's here's how this works. You're going to get more people out of E and into D, and then, I don't know about every state, but I know our state, they bump a certain percentage of teams up to the next level for state every year. Well, if you got more D teams, guess what? That's that many more teams to get bumped to C. And in Missouri, the C program struggles. No question about it. It absolutely struggles. I, that's kind of how you fix that, in my opinion. Could be wrong. I'm not a director, and there's a lot of reasons why, but that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, Q says, I feel like many guys stay at the D level that completely mash the ball. Do you agree or have any thoughts why on this? Oh my God, Jonathan, I can't. <laughs> I was getting ready to answer Q's question, then I read something about a guy wearing spandex. So let me let me let me rewind here. <laughs> I got to get this out of the way before I can even continue. So Jonathan says in the live chat, uh, last time I watched the e-ball, a dude had spandex pants on, and that was it. No shorts over him, no pants over him, just spandex. My man got arrested for smuggling grapes and a banana at a Walmart. <laughs> that that that's wild. That's absolutely wild. But that see, and that's the stuff you see in e ball. It really is. I, I didn't know how to say it, but I mean that's that's sometimes that's just the stuff you see. But to answer Q's question of uh, do guys stay at the D level for too long? Yeah, I, I do think that the guys do stay at the D level for too long. Um, honestly, I'm going to tell myself in that regard. 
Not that I, I feel like I deserve to play C, but I've played <laughs> almost every year of my softball career has been in D. At a certain point, you just got to move up. You know, like could I could I hack it in C? Probably, but it wouldn't be. I would I would trust me I would blend right in definitely be like bottom tier. But yeah, I mean there, there's people that do spend a lot of time playing D. I usually, for the most part, hit pretty well when I play D. Consistently hit well, which would kind of justify needing to move up, I guess. But I feel like a lot of that is because the C program just fails. The C program fails around here. Why go play C and play five-team tournaments when you can play D and play 16, 18-team tournaments? Everybody from a D team gets bumped up to C. Well, there's no C team, so nobody wants to play C, so they all split up, break apart, and go to other teams. Because nobody wants to be the guy to start a C team and go play against all those other guys that you play against every weekend because there's only five or six C teams. That That's kind of my thought on that, and that goes back to the, the checks and balances of let's start at the bottom with E and work our way through it, right? And Jason, you are right. It does depend on uh, where you play uh, as a location in the country. Because, dude, there's there's... In all seriousness, there's E-teams in some places that could just mop the floor with C-teams in other places. So Jonathan says, uh, U-Trip State this weekend has four C-teams and 21 in D. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not firing shots when I say this, but 618 has, has played and placed very well in D. How many years in a row in Missouri... It never had to play C. Like, how? How? Move them up. I don't care who's on the roster. I don't care any of this. I don't care any of that. Move them up. That's not even crying about rosters. That's just like, you want more teams. Do things like that. You get some kind of system in place for that, and it's going to help you. It's going to help you do nothing but improve your program as a whole from E to C and even above. So Troy Strawn mentions uh, mandatory face protection for pitchers. Uh, bat testing wouldn't be a bad deal, but people have that actually know how to test them. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember a couple years ago, we were at ASA State, and I don't know if the tester wasn't calibrated right. I don't know if he didn't test it right. But I saw a bat with like a visible shark tooth on one side. I'm not talking like, eh, it might be cracked. I'm talking like visible shark tooth on one side and then a humongous zipper on the other side. And it passed compression. It was a blue resi with, Mark said it had to have 3,000 swings on it. And it passed compression. That I mean, that was one of the most absurd bats I'd ever seen in my life. And it passed. How? Did he not use the tester right? Was it not calibrated right? And those are things that can definitely get weird if you're going to have a, a director that has a tester. They got to make sure how to know, they know how to use it. They got to make sure it's calibrated. But you also got to have people that know what they're looking at. 
And I'm not saying that the guys testing bats all the time don't know what they're looking at, but there's no way that that bat should have slipped through the cracks. At ASA State the same year, or no, maybe it was, like, it was last year two years ago, whatever it was. I'm pitching. I'm a bat guy. I know my bats, especially my combats. I see this guy get in the box. Like, what is that bat? I can see the C on it. I can see the combat on it. I was sitting there studying it. And I throw the dude a pitch. He gets a hit. It wasn't really anything that, like, jumped out at me, like, whoa. So I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Then he comes up again and hits a ball. And the second ball that he hit sounded different. And I was like, holy smokes. Like, that's that's got to be what I think it is. I walk over there as he's picking it up. It's a senior bat. The guy that was testing bats had no clue he let a senior bat through the cracks. It had a sticker on it. It's not like the dude played funny games and went and got it out of his bag. It had a sticker on it from that from the day that it passed. And they were hologram stickers, so you couldn't transfer them. Somebody legitimately let a senior bat pass through compression. <clears throat> Things like that. I mean, we, we, you got to clean it up in that regard for sure. You got to have people that know what they're doing. Somebody didn't. But uh, as far as Troy saying uh, mandatory face protection for pitchers, I 100% agree. And if you could, you could do this a couple of different ways. I kind of got to thinking about this one day. Up your league fee, fifty bucks. Then you go out and you buy however many teams you got. You buy that many. You buy that many face masks, and each team gets one. That way nobody has to say, oh, I need to go buy one. I can't afford one. Well, guess what? If you need one, here's one. Like you're out of excuses. Either wear it or don't pitch. There's, There's got to be something there. And I, yes, I do, and I shouldn't pitch without mine. I really shouldn't. What? Yeah. So anyway. I mean, it's not even... You know, a ball getting ripped at you 100 miles an hour. Sometimes it's a bad hop. Sometimes it's you getting caught not ready. I'm pitching at this supplied bat tournament, so it's not like I got lasered with uh, a 160 bat. Pitching supplied bats, supplied balls. I got hit in the leg by a girl batter. Dude, she caught me sleeping. She had not swung the bat all day long until she got a strike on her. When I say all day long... I mean all freaking day. We played them two times. And both times, she never swung the bat until she got a strike on her. And even watching her plays, there's one field. So, you know, you kind of sit around and watch the other teams play. She did not swing the bat until she had a strike on her. So I throw a biscuit in there, trying to get this first strike on her so I can just throw something dumb and she'll swing. And what she do? She just absolutely lasers me in the shin. And when I say lasers, I don't mean, no offense to her. She didn't hit it hard. I was literally standing there flat-footed with my hands at my sides waiting for the ball to hit and somebody to throw it back to me. But instead, I wore it off the leg. That could very well be a guy and that could have been your face. You gotta have face protection for pitchers. 
And I know some guys like to make themselves a target. Go ahead and hit at me. I got 10 guys that got my back. Shut up. Okay, so Jason says uh, associations don't want to take the liability if the mask fails. What are liability waivers for? Make that part of the liability waiver. Look, I'm not saying this mask is, is going to protect you, but it's here to try and protect you. We made you buy this. There, there's got to be a way to word that. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I know you smell a lawsuit law firm lady. Can't you just sign a waiver saying, hey, if I get hurt wearing this, it's not your fault? There's a way around everything. How many people are going to hire a lawyer? Go sweep the floor. What the fuck? You're not bursting my bubble. I just don't feel like arguing with you while I'm trying to podcast. So anyway, yeah, get a face mask. I don't care. Or I tell you what, how about this? Don't allow them to pitch unless they have one. Yeah, Jason, I don't want to hear you crap. That's what she was over here spewing to. Jamie Ward says the same thing. Ryan Johnson says go back to the old days and make home runs unlimited. Take these shackles off and let the big dogs eat. Of course, you would say something like that. You can hit a ball 400 feet off a tee. Pitching nets applied at all tournaments. I feel like that's a bit overkill. So, um, our guy Chris C.V. Laws has kind of an interesting take. Um, His take on rule change would be no chips from C down. So essentially what he's saying is is you couldn't play uh, D, go to Colorado and play in a John Kings tournament with five C players and win it and just drive on home like nothing even happened. So I, I do agree to that to an extent. Because, again, that's going to, what, push teams up to the next level, right? But how many teams would stay together? Oh, what the hell? What was that? Okay. All right, well, it looks like I got to go. Swing hard in case you hit it. BP here, catch you next time. (laughs) 